my goal for us, for this first section, okay, is that we will have the hearts of the disciples in Acts 2, 37. All right. So, are, are any of us familiar with Acts 2.37? Do we know the scripture? Silence throughout the room. Okay, that's cool. That's so, it's so not a problem. We're going to go there and we're going to look at it, okay? So, if you want to open your Bibles to Acts 2.37, that would be awesome. So, this is right after Pentecost. Pentecost was the moment where Peter stands up among, the, among his fellow apostles and speaks to an entire crowd of thousands of people, and amazingly, in all their different languages. So everyone understands him, okay? That's kind of the moment we're at here, all right? And he tells them, right before this statement, BTW, you just killed Jesus. And this is what they said. This is what it says. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other two apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? So my hope is that after this class, you guys are going to be feeling that. You're going to be feeling a little bit cut. But your attitude, I'm hoping, is going to be, Ooh, okay, what do I do? All right? So... The scope of what, what we're, we're asked to talk about today, reevaluating our relationship with God, that's massive. That's really big. Okay? Um, but that's okay. We're going to be fine, right? But what I wanted to do, I wanted to narrow our focus a little bit, okay? And I want us to be grounded, like, based here in Acts, okay? So this is going to be our home base. Acts 2 provides a lot of really great insight on how we can evaluate our life with God, okay? So, uh, what we're going to look at is uh, Acts 42 through 47, if you want to swipe over to that. So, this is Acts 2, 42 through 47. Like I said, this is a really accurate description. Well, I haven't said this yet, but I'm going to tell you now. Um, This is a really accurate description of our first century church, okay? And we as a congregation, the New York City Church of Christ, and the churches of Christ around the country, often rely on a scripture like this to help us to understand how to proceed as a congregation, okay? It's like a really great foundational scripture. And I want to make one uh, disclaimer, just out of curiosity. Uh, How many of us are disciples for one to three years? Just show of hands. Okay, great. Anyone below that in terms of like, okay, I I got baptized, but I'm just out of the water. And I'm here. It's awesome. It's okay. That's great. I love it. I'm just trying to get a feel. That's awesome. But, like, big clap for that. And then, and then, anybody who's just visiting with us? Anyone just visiting with us? Awesome. Hello. Thank you. Great to have you. Seriously, awesome. Round of applause for that, too. That's great. Awesome. Okay, so, I want to give you guys a disclaimer, okay? If I use the word disciple... It means the exact same thing biblically as Christian. Okay? Great to know. I may switch back and forth, but it's the same thing. Okay? A disciple is a Christian. I'd show you the scripture, but we don't have time. Okay? I promise you, those two things are quick. All right? So, let's take a look at Acts 2, 42 through 47, okay? Come on. I need a little bit more. Are we okay? All right. Okay. Okay. Here we go. 
It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone to give to anyone who needed. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So, awesome scripture. gives us a lot of information there. But for me, I think there are four major points to be discussed here, all right? We've got four points we're going to talk about today, okay? Uh, and the first one of those, uh, we're going to take a look at right now, all right? Go right up to, go back to 42, okay? It says there, in the first sentence, they devoted themselves to the apostles' what? Teachings. 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 Right. Okay. So for me, what that signifies, okay, is Bible study. All right? Now, what are the apostles' teachings? Do we know? It's what you're holding in your hands right now, okay? Your Bible holds the apostles' teachings, which is pretty cool. So, what they're talking about is learning the scriptures. All right? And the first word, one of the first words we see there, right, it says, they devoted. So, devoted. If we're going to be good Bible scholars, we've got to examine the scripture, right? Okay, it says devoted. Well, what, what does devoted mean? Okay? Now, some of us, you know, we might have a good working description of what devoted is. But what I want to give you is actually what the Greek word for devoted is, Okay? It's proskario. P R O S K A R T E R E O. Proskarit ERO. Or something to that effect. Okay? It's an awesome word, and this is what it means. Proskaritero. I don't know, I'm going to change it every time. But you guys write it down, okay? P R O S K A R T E R E O. Alright? Here's what it means. To consistently show strength which prevails, in parentheses, despite difficulties, to endure, to stay, staying in a fixed direction. One more time, all the way through, proscariero, whatever it is, means to continue to do something with intense effort, with the, with the possible implication despite difficulty, to devote oneself to, to keeping on, and to persisting in. Okay, did that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes. So, no matter what, these people were going to persist with strength forward in these categories and areas, okay? The first one is Bible study. <coughs> Guys, they were interactive this was an interactive thing. It wasn't like they were just sitting down doing nothing. This was a real, um, I'm with you attitude, okay? In terms of all of the things that we're going to talk about, but particularly here first in Bible study. All right. 
I want to ask you guys a question. How are you approaching your Bible studies? You have in your hands the first century church, church's guidelines, things that they, they didn't have. They just had to listen and learn. They had to memorize this stuff from the teachers who were teaching it in the moment. But you guys have it right there in your hands, which is an amazing opportunity. Because you guys have that, an opportunity to be devoted to that word, to do it with strength, to do it with a steadfast strength, and have a really awesome, quiet time. What I'm thinking is, are we just reading one proverb a day? Is that where we're at? Are we reading, are we reading just a couple of sentences? I don't know. I have to ask, right? I gotta ask you guys the question, you guys gotta think about it. How much am I actually reading? It's an important question. Because the only way that we are ever going to be able to understand what God wants from us is if we read His Word. It's Him speaking to us. There's a conversation that has to take place between us and God, right? One of them we're going to talk about later, and the one that we're talking about right now is this conversation with God that He's speaking to us through His Word. Guys, a lack of Bible study impacts every aspect of our walk, especially evangelism. Cause if, we've been, if we're really studying our Bible, if we're really getting in there, then we would have a serious conviction about Matthew 28. Mm. Okay? Mm. And I'm seeing some blank faces. <laughs> so that means that we need to flip to Matthew 28. Okay? <laughs> Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Okay? Are we flipping there? Okay. Oh, not yet. Okay, all right, all right. We're getting there. I know you are. All right. I'm going to read it for you guys, okay? It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the, mount, to the mountain where Jesus had, had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I will be with you always till the very end of the age. Guys, this is our job. Yeah. Okay? It's not something that's disputable. Right. This is not something we can have a discussion about. This is something we, when we signed up And if we're thinking about signing up to hang out with Jesus for the rest of our lives, this is something we have to do, okay? Now look, I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I struggle with this too, okay? I'm not perfect in any way, shape, or form, and if by the end of today you think I am, I have failed as the person talking to you, because I'm not. And the biggest reason when I first became a disciple that I didn't share my faith was fear. I was scared to death of having a conversation about Jesus with someone. You know why? Because I didn't understand how to talk to them about him. I didn't know where to go in the Bible. I didn't know what to do. 
And so I had no confidence in myself that I could actually help someone become a disciple. Now, was that all true? No. It was Satan lying to me and scaring me, but it wasn't true. I mean, there, but, but the important thing was that what I did was I started to go back to the Word. I went back and I started reading. And I, and I realized that this was a real problem, that I had to get back in the Word. So the first thing for you guys to think about today and reevaluate is what am I doing with my free time? Am I spending time in my Bible? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Okay? Jess is going to come up and share a little bit uh, with us, okay? About her experiences with this area. I really, really love everything that Josh was sharing because it's so true. And I relate to being a young disciple. And yep. for me, uh, you know, the, the Word of God is something that I'm learning is transformative. And uh, Psalm 19 says that um, the law of the Lord is reviving, it's refreshing to the soul. Um, and for me, when I think the soul, most days I'm like, ah, God, help me. So I'm thinking, wow, refreshing to the soul. And I think that, that hits the... That, that gets it. That embodies everything I think God wants us to know about him, is that time with him refreshes our soul. And I think the early apostles, they really understood that. They were going through persecution, and they were going through so much. But I think that the reason why they were so devoted was because um, they, they were devoted to the scriptures because they knew that it revived their soul, and it revived um, their relationship with God. And for me, I'm very, very thankful that God placed amazing people in my life to just expose whether or not I was willing to submit my life to his word. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think sometimes I rely on this, like, self-righteousness. Like, on the outside, I look so spiritual, or I'm happy to lucky this. But on the inside, I feel like I would get away with, like, oh, I read yesterday, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Or, like, oh, I know what's in Job, I'm good. You know, or they call you out in service, you're like... I know that because I read that before, not because it was my quiet time or not because it was my daily devotion. It was because I was relying on this um, self-righteousness. I think uh, when people sat down with me to expose, am I willing to submit my life to the Word of God? And that means, I guess to the class too, guys, are you submitting your life to God? Are you loving it? Are you studying it? The Bible says the law of the Lord is... Um, delight in it. Delight in the law of the Lord. Are you delighting in it? Is it like, oh my gosh, I have to go through Chronicles today. And no, it's like, you know, delighting in the law of the Lord. And I think, uh, I love the grace of God because I think wherever you're lacking in an area, God will give you the room to grow. And I think we all need to remember that as we're growing in our discipleship, our, our relationship with the Bible should be parallel. The Bible transforms us, guys. It creates us into the image of God. So when we're reading our Bibles and we're struggling with pettiness, we're struggling with, oh, she got me mad, where's my compassion? God will give us that through his word. And I think... Uh, in relating that to evangelism, when we are transforming ourselves, people, your friends, your coworkers, people at school, wherever it may be, they're going to see your life change. They're going to notice that you are not the same person, and they're going to ask you. And recently, my coworkers like, girl, what's up with you? You on, like, a spiritual journey? And I'm like, oh, no, I just love God, you know, and I, and I use that. And for me, that is my tool. 
My evangelism isn't just on my mouth, yeah. it's on my walk. Yeah. And so for you guys, is it, are you, you know, is the word of God transforming your life so that it can be in part or in correspondence with your evangelism? And so mm-hmm. people won't just see you as this like, oh, she's just a, you know, like a religious folk or whatever that may be. But they'll see you as a Christian. They'll see you as a disciple. So I think all of that relates together. It's a duo. You can't have one without the other. So I do really encourage you guys to really analyze where are you in your walk with God. Awesome. Thanks, Jess. That was great. Is anyone else real hot? No. Okay. All right. Well, you're, I think you may be the only one. Um, can we can we try to turn that on just a little bit, just a little bit? If we can, great. If not, we're just gonna sweat it out. It'll be great. Okay. <laughs> so we're gonna move on to our second point. Okay. All right. So we're gonna move on. Yeah. Is it noisy out there? I don't know. Um. When, when do you guys try to open that back door and see what's happening out there? Yeah, if it's loud, then we just have to do it. Yeah. I think that's okay. If they close it on us, they close it on us. All right, so, number two. Come on. All right, let's go back to Acts 2, okay? We're going to read, again, that same sentence. There's so much in this one sentence, right? Let's look at it. It says... Right? We got that they devoted themselves uh, to the apostles' teachings. We got that part, right? And then it says, to the fellowship and the breaking of bread. And what happens next? What does it say? Come on. You're there, right? Not yet? Okay. Okay. And then, to bring your bread into prayer, right? Alright, that's the rest of the whole sentence. But there's two things, and we're going to talk about prayer later. But the first thing we're going to talk about is fellowship. Okay? Fellowship. What is fellowship? What a question. Okay. All right. So, fellowship. The word fellowship, what does it mean? I'm going to give it to you. (laughs) It's the word... I know you guys are like, I don't know, Josh. It's fellowship. We talk to each other. Right? 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 There's a song about it. (laughs) So, the word is koinonia in Greek. I got the pronunciation on that one. Nailing it today. Koinonia. It's K-O-I-N-A-N-I-A, koinonia, which really means that we are in the pursuit of having everything in common. Koinonia means we, each other, getting to know each other, are trying to get everything in common. Koina, which is like, someone said it, is like the common Greek. It's like... Uh, they use it that way. So it's like what everybody spoke, koinonia, everyone working together, trying to be on the exact same page. So that's what fellowship is all about, okay? They were com- they'd committed themselves, the first century disciples, to one another, all right? That, that's what I want to talk about, okay? Our second point that we're talking about is relationships within the body, relationships with each other. And I'm going to have to move pretty quick through this. But we've got four different brackets I see in this next scripture, okay? Just keep that in mind. Let's turn over to 1 Timothy 5, okay? And I love this little section. This is an amazing benchmark for you guys to go back to any time you're thinking about how do I deal with people in the kingdom, okay? All right, let's go. All right, 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 2. It says... 
It's okay. I'm going to read it for you guys, all right? If you're not there, it's okay. Do, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. All right, so like I said, I think there are four different key things that we, different categories of interactions that we can look at here, okay? Here's what they are. Number one, same sex, same age, okay? Those are your peers, right? We see that in there. Number two, same sex, older in age, usually advisors, someone who's a spiritual uh, brother or sister in your life, okay? Someone you might be in a mentoring relationship with, a discipling relationship with, okay? That same sex, older in age. Third, same age, different sex. Those are brothers and sisters who are also your peers, but have the possibility of being more than that, okay? That same age, different sex. Then, we have older age, different sex. These are the older brothers and sisters who are around you and you interact with, but probably there's a very little possibility of some type of romantic relationship, okay? This is, uh, this is, these are four different categories that I want to talk about, okay? All right. Are we all right with that? Okay, we're just going to be real right now, all right? Okay, so the first one, same sex, same age. This is sister to sister, brother to brother, right? How many of us have blood siblings? Good for you guys. I don't have any. I have a bunch of step-siblings, but it's not the same. It's really not. But what I've come to understand about having a blood sibling is that we would literally do anything for that person, hypothetically, right? Many of us love our siblings to our very core, that if push came to shove, you would be there for them, like John was talking about with his brother the, yesterday, right? He was, he, 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 no matter what, he was there for his brother when he needed him, right? Okay. I think this is that idea is what Paul is getting at here and what Jesus is saying when he says, love one another as I loved you. Treat your non-blood brothers and sisters as family, okay? That is the goal. Family. With kindness, grace, and love. How is that going for you guys? Have you been able to do that recently with the annoying brother or sister who keeps finding you and yakking your ear off? I don't know. It's hard for me. It's probably hard for you guys too. Alright? Moving on. Again, remember, this is the part of the class where we're, we're going to we're, we're, we're cutting you now, okay? Alright. Um, same sex, older in age, right? We did that one. No, we did same sex, same age. We're on same sex, older in age. Okay. How are you doing not rebuking your elders. Are you showing them respect? Mm, I don't know. Are you loving them like you would love your mom or your dad or your aunt or your uncle? Have you been able to do that? Uh-oh, I see faces like, oh, no! It's just a question. It's a good question, right? Yeah. Just, we just have to think about this, okay? But that's what you're called to do. 
same sex older in age. So, have I been able to actually respect them? Even if I don't, even if I don't agree with what they're saying, how am I talking to them? How am I posturing myself with them? Okay? Next. Same age, different sex. Okay. <laughs> Guys, this is the meat and potatoes of this one, okay? This is meat and potatoes of point number two. This is what everybody's talking about. Let's start with the brothers, okay? I know you brothers. You know why? Because I am one. And I've been where you are right now, okay? When I got baptized, my mindset was, okay, out of the water, I need a wife. Let's go. Come on. Let's get cracking. Brothers, brothers, men in the room, maybe you're more spiritual than I am. Okay? I told you I wasn't perfect. Let me ask you, how are you treating your sisters and the girls in your life? Have you been talking to them like they're blood-related? Hmm, I don't know. But that's the goal, right? Have you been talking to them with absolute purity in heart and mind? That is the goal. With love and disregard for physical attractiveness. Or have you been talking to them like they are objects to fulfill your desire for marriage? Or for just having sex? I don't know, you gotta ask yourself. Keeping it real. That's right. <laughs> Have you been looking through the sea of sisters and trying to pick out one to get to know? Or are you allowing God to lead your life in this area? Okay, that was for the brothers. Sisters. Are you submitted to God's will? Are you rebuking every brother because he said hello to you? I don't know. <laughs> or are you feeling desperate? Like no man will see you in the crowd, and so you are straight stalking a brother at every midweek or Sunday service. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just asking a question, right? And this is for both sides. Or maybe you're doing fine on all of those extremes. But are you going on dates with the simple expectation of being encouraged? With nothing else? Are you, are you, are you brothers asking sisters to just go on encouragement dates? Just to encourage them. Regardless of how old they were. Guys, when I, when I first became a disciple... Um, they set the um, expectation in my heart that I needed to be taking out any, any and every sister I could think of, okay? I took sisters out from the age of 20-something to 70-something right. with no regard for who they were or for how attractive they were. It didn't matter. The point was to encourage the women in our lives. Why? Because they are being asked out by and hit on and yelled at and hollered at by every man they come into contact with. And that is real depressing and real hard, men. So what I'm asking you to do is to help your sisters out 
and to encourage them. Love them as you would your sister. If your sister was down and feeling miserable about herself, what would you do? Would you take her out for a coffee and encourage her? I hope you would. But that is the challenge we have in front of us, okay? Guys, I could go on for hours on this topic. Take your time. But I'm not going to. (laughs) I wish we had hours, but we don't. But we don't. All right? Okay. Move on. Older age, different sex. All right? Now, this could go one of two ways. Either it's totally fine, and you're able to learn from the person in a fatherly or motherly way, or, and it's usually an older brother, okay? Girls, I know. They start creeping on the younger sisters. I know it happens, okay? Okay, now, look, I do know that maybe there are some sisters who prefer a mature brother. Great! But that's not usually the case, okay? But the reality of the situation is, ladies, this is, I'm so serious about this. No man of God should ever make you feel awkward if they can help it. And, if it, and that goes completely against the scripture we were looking at in 1 Timothy, okay? If that's happening, I need you to go to your discipling partners, to your mentors in your life, the women in your life, and let them know. Do not be ashamed. Do not be afraid. Go directly to go and collect $200, okay? You need to have a conversation with them, and then they need to have a conversation with somebody else so that that can be dealt with. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm going to have Jessica share a little bit. relationships that we have. There's so much, it's so easy to see how Satan can try to work his way into that divide. And I think this is a topic that we're all kind of working through as we grow in our discipleship. Sure. But it's, um, you know, disputable matters. I feel like, uh, you know, uh, our country right now is at a time where it's just really polarized. There's a lot that's dividing us. One, race. Race is dividing us. Mm-hmm. Wealth, our social class, our social status, that's another divide. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say it, I hate to bring it up, but politics. Mm-hmm. That is a huge social divide going on right now. And I find that, um, you know, what I love about our millennial generation is that we're really awakened to what's going on in the world and we're really passionate about what's going on. And, and that is so good. But the question that I want to ask this class is, what is the condition of your heart? What is the condition of your heart when it comes to relating to brothers or sisters in the church who are of different political stances? Is your heart hardened because someone is a Republican, Democrat, Independent? Are you, you know, false like judging them or falsely accusing them of being a certain type of way based off of their their political assignment? Um, for me, I feel like if you're wanting to look to a, a perfect radical or a perfect activist, um, look to Jesus. I feel like he was like so radical. His first sermon was Sermon on the Mount. He got up there and was like, you know, and he was sorry to be ratchet, but he really, he was so, like, he was counterculture. He was so, like, he just turned everything around. And he, 
He did not. He brought peace in a different way. And I think uh, there's nothing wrong with uh, having a stance. There's nothing wrong with having a view. But it, it is wrong when your heart starts to be hardened or bittered by the church. You feel like we're not talking about it or we're not this. But, guys, as the church, our example is Jesus. Yeah. And I feel like... Uh, he needs to be the forefront of our heart. God, Jesus was a man of people. And I think um, if you want if you want someone to relate to in these times or if you feel like your heart is really, I don't know how I feel about this brother or sister or whoever, what's going on, Jesus is that person to look to because um, he uh, really, he embodied that. He did. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Jess. All right, we're going to move on. We're getting hot and heavy in this, right? I mean, we're deep in right now, right? Okay, so we're going to go back to Acts 2. It's our base scripture for the day, right? Okay, so there it says, right, we, we read the first two parts of that sentence, and now we're on that last part. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. That was the Bible study. And to the fellowship. That was our one another relationships that we just talked about. And to the breaking of bread and to prayer. ba Number three. Okay. Prayer times. Right? And that's what we're up to. Talking about prayer. Guys, prayer is one of the most single important things you can do in your walk with God. When I was a young Christian, I thought, well, I, I just read my Bible. I had a little bit of time in the Word. I'm good. I'm set. I'm go about my day. They said I had to look at the Bible, so I looked at the Bible, and then I went and just did my job, right? I was going out as a performer. I was doing the thing. But I learned very quickly that that is not the best way to go about things, because I was only having a one-way conversation with God. He was talking to me, but I wasn't talking to him. It wasn't working, you know? So how are you doing with that? How are you guys doing with your prayer time? Are you guys engaged? Are you guys having fun with him? Are you having a conversation with God? Are you spilling your guts to him? I don't know. Again, I'm just asking you the question, right? I want to take a look at a parable, okay? Let's take a look at Luke 18. You guys want to turn over there? You can. Yes. That'd be great. We're going to Luke 18. And what's cool about this uh, this particular parable, we're not gonna we don't have enough time to dive fully into the parable. What we're gonna do though is we're gonna we're lo- we're gonna look at the top and we're gonna look at the bottom of the parable, okay? And what's cool about that, and this is great for you guys when you're studying the Bible, is oftentimes Jesus will give us the whole point of the parable either before or after the parable, which is great. We get the parable, which helps us get deeper insight into Jesus, and then we get we get a, an affirmation of what he was talking about above and below if we didn't get the, what the, the parable was about, okay? Alright, so this is what it says in what is it? Acts, Luke 18, that's where we are, thank you, um, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Then we get the parable, and then it says, And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Which is the conversation that was what was happening in the parable, right? We had the persi- This is called the persistent widow. Yeah. The persistent widow goes to, um, goes to a judge and keeps asking him for something. And he, she keeps asking and keeps asking, 
And finally, the judge says, okay, I'm going to do it. All right? And so this is Jesus is relating that story to him. It says, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? No. I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Jesus says, never give up on your prayers. And that God is going to answer them. What a crazy and amazing thing to say, right? Not only if you talk to God, will he answer your prayers, but it's almost guaranteed. Either it's going to happen here or in the next life. That's pretty darn cool. Jesus said it, right? He says that God wants to answer your prayers. You guys. Not mine, your guys. I mean, mine too, but your guys. God will answer. So again, how are you doing with your prayer lives? Are they powerful? Are they effective? Are they consistent? Are, okay, remember the word devoted we talked about? The scary Greek word that I didn't have a good time pronouncing? <laughs> that meant to do it with strength, despite difficulties. Right? That word devoted, it means no matter what, we stick to it. We keep praying. How are we doing with that? I'm going to have Jess share a little bit on this one, okay? <laughs> so, uh, this is just so funny. This story that I'm going to share, it was, you know, it's funny, but in the moment, it was so real to me. It was so, like, I've never experienced anything like this in my life. But um, I just want to start off by stating that, like, lack of prayer or persistent prayer um, can be a major stumbling block in our relationship and growing with God. And for me, I think I learned this um you know, on a personal standpoint, I learned this uh, when, like, my fears, my insecurities really led me to learn what it meant to pray on my knees. Um, so two years ago, I served on a uh, one-year challenge in Haiti. And so, yeah, and so uh, for me, uh, it was brand new territory. And in hindsight, it was the best experience of my life. It was everything I needed. I think it drew me as a disciple. But leading into it was the just... Uh, it was so horrible. It was so hard. Um, I had to get out of my Elise at my house. Um, I had to tell my parents, and they were like, what the heck? This church is, you're going, you're, going, you're crazy. Um, I had to tell my friends. They just didn't understand, or even disciples, and just leaving my church family. Or It was just such a, I was under a lot of stress. Um, and so, <laughs> so I was uh, beginning to feel these, like, heart attack-like symptoms. And I'm a biology major, and I like um, a web a web MD addict. So I'll go on there, and I'll be like chest pain, <laughs> all these feelings, and it'll be like heart attack. I'm like, oh, I'm having a heart attack. And it was so I, I, I'm kidding you not. This is literally I was not like I thought I was dying. I was having heart attack. So uh, I began to emergency room hop. <laughs> so I would go to different emergency rooms. I'd like I'm having a heart attack, and it put these things on me, and it checked me, and the doctor like you're fine, you can go. And I'm like you. Crazy. So I'd go to another one, you know, and I'd be like, this is what I'm feeling. It's so true. This is what I'm feeling. I'm telling you. And it happens all of a sudden. So maybe right now it's just not happening, but leave me here. I promise it's going to happen again. <laughs> so he put these things on me again, the, the, the EKG thing or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And it 
read normal and they sent me home and, and like before like the month before that I had to uh leave I literally visited like 10 emergency rooms I kid you not it was so real one sister was like dang girl you got good insurance And so, you know, you know, it was really easy for me to self-diagnose myself. And I think in this whole time, I was not talking to God. I was just so, just doing things myself, packing and getting things ready. I was just in control mode. And, you know, my prayer breakthrough came when my discipling partner, or just a mentor in my life, uh, that's what a, my discipling partner is. And she, uh, we were driving back from the city one time, and then all of a sudden, Boom, my attack came back. The the, the the heart attack thing came back. And I'm like, girl, stop the car. I'm dying. No, I mean, and like, my, like, she, my mentor, she is like the most kind, compassionate, sweet, soft-spoken, soft-spoken person. She was like, oh, no, let's pray. Yeah. Like, girl, I'm dying. We need to go to the We go, and then we pray, and I, you know, God bless her heart, because it was really like, in prayer, I was really like, you know, I'm looking at her, and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really did feel like something was being released out of my body, and, I, and this is a true story. And so I think uh, uh, I learned that I stopped talking to God. I was relying on my own I totally forgot that God says that he has power to take away our anxious thoughts and our anxious fears. And at the time, I didn't know. It was, it's anxiety. I wasn't having a heart attack. I was going under anxiety. And anxiety can feel that real. And I forgot that, you know, you know, clearly seek medical counsel. But God has so much power to really help me through that. And I... That just really helped me to understand what it meant. And it really drove me to my knees. And I just want to encourage you guys, if prayer is something that you've stopped doing, talk to him now. Talk to him in your heart. And so uh, that's just really something that helped me to realize that I was. Thanks, Jess. That was awesome. It's so real. It's so real. Um, I just want to, you guys doing okay so far? Oh, yeah. All right. Amen. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So guys who are, like, visiting, are you guys doing okay? Listen, I know that this is a lot. There's probably a lot that's getting thrown at you. I don't want you guys to be, like, panicked or, like, I need to leave right now because these people be crazy. <laughs> We're just trying to give really great foundational things for you guys as you guys are learning how to deepen your relationship with God, okay? And for, you know, the, the people who just came out of the water just decided to make the decision, make Jesus Lord, I love you guys. It's awesome that you're here. Don't get discouraged. Everybody has to go through these times of going, hey, I'm missing some stuff. Let me reevaluate how I'm doing, okay? Alright, amen. We're going to get one more point here, okay? Alright, okay, here we go. So, the final point. Let's go back to Acts 2, okay? Back to our base scripture. It says there, in uh, verse 46, Acts 2, 46, every day, he's talking about the, the believers in the first century, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. Okay, so to me, this is talking about our time with the kingdom of God. Alright? So guys, how often do the disciples get together? Every day. Every day. Right? It also says in 45 that they gave to each other and helped with whatever they needed. 
So these people saw each other every day and were constantly giving to one another. So here's my question. <coughs> How are you guys doing with participating within the community of the believers? How active have you been so far? If this is our example, okay, meeting together every day, how often are you connecting with your fellow believers? Twice a week, maybe? Just once on Sundays? Maybe an occasional singles devo? But it's an important question to ask, right? Have you served anyone recently? It's another good question. Because that's what we see there in Acts 2, is that they're serving each other. They're helping each other out. Have you helped a brother or sister in need recently? Have you been an active part of the service on Sunday? Are you volunteering your time? Are you helping assist or lead a Bible talk? Are you, uh, you know, for some of you who are older, you know, older disciples, two, three years in the faith, have you been assisting or helping lead a Bible talk? Are you involved in being mentored? Is there someone else in your life who's been around the church longer than you, helping you to evolve as a Christian? If not, you should think about having someone doing that. Because I, I wouldn't be standing here with you guys. I certainly wouldn't be talking to you if it wasn't for one of the guys in the back of the room right now. I won't name who he is. He, uh, but if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be standing here because I had him in my life to help me to understand what I, I should be doing. Because you get out of the water and you're excited, but then you may not have a good direction to go in. What do I do next? Well, you need someone who's been around who's already done that to do that for you, okay? If you do have that going on and you've been around for a little bit longer than uh, five months, six months, or a year, are you helping someone who else just came out of the water? Are you involved in mentoring somebody else? You're capable. You may not think you're capable, but you are because you've been there and you had someone helping you. So why not help them in the process, okay? Now look, maybe some of you are doing all of that. Amazing. Don't stop. Maybe you guys are super involved. Maybe you're doing a ton of things for your different churches. Uh, and what do I say to that? Awesome. Keep going. We need you. Yep. For sure. But we need more of you. Okay? Mm-hmm. At this point, I'm just going to be real. That's an alarm. It's not a fire alarm. Okay? <laughs> All right. At this point, dude, how many of us are millennials? It's okay. Millennials. Millennials. It's all right. Raise your hand. Okay. Millennials. I'm a millennial. It's okay. Some people use it as a dirty word. All right? I don't use it as a dirty word. I love being a millennial. I'm hip. I'm trendy. I've got an iPhone and I know how to use it. I got an iPad and I know how to use that too. Okay? But here's the problem. We have not stepped up really at all, to help lead God's kingdom. We are seriously lacking in millennials helping and volunteering to further the kingdom of God. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, the body of believers is one unit. We are one body. We are not individuals anymore. We are a part of a family, of a unit. 
And if one of us decides not to do something, if the foot decides not to move today, the rest of the body is not going to go anywhere. Okay? So you guys are part of that unit. You are the foot. You are the arm. You are the finger. You are the eye. If you guys decide not to do anything, so goes the church. Amen? One more scripture for you guys. Matthew 6, 33-34. It says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He's talking about before that worrying about the clothes on your back. Talking about your job. Talking about how you're going to get somewhere. How you're going to pay the bills. That's what Jesus is talking about before this sentence, okay? He says, but seek the first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Stop worrying. That is Matthew 6, 33-34. Really, all of Matthew 6 is the bomb.com, okay? It's great, yeah. Really, the whole Bible is pretty great. But, but this particular segment has it's been very helpful for me. So guys, where are your priorities at? They've got to be with God's kingdom. Not in the video game, not at the movies, not binge-watching Stranger Things. You think I don't know? I know! I know it came out last night. I haven't watched it yet. I want to, but I haven't, right? Because I was prepping this lesson, okay? Guys, it's not going to the bar. That's not where the priority should be. Or going out dancing, all right? All of those are fine. But they can't... They're great, in fact, some of them. Dancing? Why not dance it up? But... God has to come before that. Okay? Study your Bible first. Then go out with your disciple friends and go dancing. Okay? That's that's where our priorities should be at. Furthering the kingdom is a must. Non-negotiable. Okay? Jesus says so. Alright, I'm going to hand it over to Jess so she can tell us uh, a little bit more on her experiences in this area. Okay. So guys, how many of us work throughout the week? Right? That's a lot. Gotcha. How many of us are in school? Yeah, that's real. You know, and how many of us this week have used the words, I'm so exhausted, I'm so tired. I have, you know. uh, You know, it's okay to be honest, let's be real, because like, uh, it's clear, like like our pursuits, everything that we're going after, you know, the pulls of life, they, they pull... Are, they put t- they fill up our time slots in our schedule, um, and for me, I'm I'm learning this firsthand. You know, I'm maintaining a nine to five. I'm studying through the GREs, and you know, recently I'm trying to like di- like dabble in like calligraphy and opening like a little a shop on Etsy or whatever. Ooh, yeah. girl. Girl. But but I I see that it's really really um, hard to balance that uh, 
that dynamic or that uh, consistency with guys and stuff, with God, not guys. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I really do love the scripture where it says seek first. And what I'm learning is to, for me, what does seek first mean to me? And I love where someone shared last night where Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And, you know, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, yeah, that's why I do what I do. That's why I put those Bible studies in or I, my time with the teens in or whatever it is. Because the times when I want to spend an extra minute in bed, just like, gosh, just five more minutes, you know, and the alarm already went off. You know, like, I have to ask myself, what am I doing this for? I'm doing this because I love God. This is what helps me to really analyze and put it in perspective, you know. And I'm seeing that in my life, and I, I know it's real. I know it's difficulty difficult, but um, it's really just the, the way you're, um, you're analyzing how you view your time, with God, with your time with God and how that really reflects in your schedule. So it is possible. So, yeah, I'll give it back to you. All right, guys, so those were our four points, okay? Um, how are we feeling? Well. Well, well. Some of you look a little overwhelmed. Some of you are looking good. That's an okay place to be at, all right? The whole point, like I said, of this first part was to have this conviction, like it says in Acts 2, 37, right? Ooh, I'm a little cut to the heart. What do I do next? Okay? So what I want you guys to do for the next uh, five minutes is to get into a couple of groups and just pray. I'm going to give you guys five minutes. Pray about reevaluating these parts of your life and where you stand. Okay? Does that make sense? Amen. Okay, great. Thanks. So guys, break up. You, if you feel like you don't want to pray with somebody else, you need to pray by yourself. That's okay too. But it's always great to pray with others. Okay. All right, guys. Let's come back in. Let's come back in. Sorry, guys. There'll be more time to pray after, okay? I hope. I think. You can pray, because you're in control of your life. You can pray more after, right? All right. All right, so, the first part of the class was called what? Re-evaluating your relationship. your relationship with God, right? The second part is titled redirect. This is the good stuff. The first part, our goal, was to cut you guys, right? Was to make you guys see or realize things I need to reevaluate in my life, in my walk with God, right? Well, I love part number two, because this is where we give you guys all the practicals, okay? So, this is, you know, once the disciples said, oh, I'm cut, what do I do? Peter gives a really great answer. He says in verse 38, if we go back to uh, that scripture, to uh, Acts 2, uh, it says in verse 38, after they said, what do we do? What do we do, Peter? What do we do? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, some of you have gotten the baptism thing done. You're there. You repented on a lot of things, and you got baptized. That's great. But the reality is that once we get out of the water, we still mess up a lot. And so we still have to repent. Okay? Now, the word repent, many people view this word like, oh, I have to repent. What is repentance? Oh, oh I should feel bad. I should feel terrible. I'm going to just lock myself in my room and beat myself up. 
The reason you think that is because people in the Middle Ages and moving forward into the 1800s, their idea of repentance was beating themselves up. Okay? But that's not, that's because the word was translated badly from, uh, from Greek into Latin. The Latin word is penitentia. Okay? What does that sound like? Jail. jail. Putting yourself in jail. That is not what repentance is all about, okay? Repentance, some of you might know this word, is me- in Greek, is metanoia. Okay? And metanoia is a mind shift, is what that word means. To change your mind. Not to lock yourself up in jail, not to beat yourself up, but to change your mind and move towards God. That's what repentance is all about, okay? So our goal today, we want to change our minds on these topics that we talked about, okay? And we're going to give you some great practicals to help you to do that and to shift towards redirecting yourself towards God, amen? Amen. All right. The first point we talked about was evangelism, right? Okay. So, I want to give you guys... We talked about evangelism and Bible study in that first section, right? Bible study leading to evangelism. I want to give you guys some great practicals to have some fun, quiet times, all right? Because we need to be having fun while we're we're learning from God. What's the point? This is supposed to be joyful. It's not supposed to be a chore. So let's have some fun, right? Psalm 1 says, "But But who delights in the law of the Lord? Who meditates on his law day and night? Who delights in it? That's our goal, is to delight in the law of the Lord. Alright, so, here's some stuff, some ideas for you guys, okay? One, a great study Bible. Okay? You can pick one of these up, pick one of these up at Barnes & Noble, or on Amazon, but there's plenty of great study Bibles out there. Um, the one that I use right now is the D.A. Carson study Bible. Um, with, he is awesome and gives a lot of great insight. Many of them are good, but I feel like he is one of the most fair scholars out there who's widely publicized. What was the name again? D.A. Carson. Um, it's still called, it's still the NIV Study Bible with commentary by D.A. Carson. Uh, if you Google that, it should come up. And I love it because it's got lots of pictures. From, I love pictures. I'm a visual learner. It's got lots of pictures and maps and really great information about um, just each scripture that you're reading. So, like, you read, you just read something, right? And maybe you read it again, and then maybe you read it a third time, but you're still not quite sure what the heck it's talking about. Because Paul gets deep in those epistles, right? He gets deep. He gets philosophical. So you might need something else additionally to help you figure it out. So a study Bible is great for that, okay? Um, and I love D.A. Carson. That's the one that Steve Kennard recommended to me, and it's been awesome. You also get a digital copy when you buy the actual physical book. Hello, millennials. Get it on your iPad, right? Okay. Um, Another one. Review the first principle studies, okay? This may sound silly, like, oh, I did those, but let's be real. I didn't even know I was doing them while I was doing them, okay? There are these great, amazing studies out there that you guys can use, all right? And those are going to help you to feel more confident in your evangelism. All right? Because then you're like, yeah, I know how to do that study on the Word. I can help this person understand the Word of God better. Bada boom, I'm going to go talk to that person. Okay? Um, There's also the idea of reading a book along with your Bible study. Okay? 
so like the case for Christ it was a movie the movie was fine the book's a lot better I would read the, I would read that along with having a quiet time it really built up my faith God's perfect plan for imperfect people it's a walk through the book of Ephesians and if you want to get your butt kicked by the Bible that is the book to do it I've never felt more convicted about what I needed to work on than when I read God's perfect plan for imperfect people you can pre- you can also pray a psalm out loud talk about convicting Pray like David prayed in those psalms. It's really awesome and it's fun. You can write a song on whatever you're reading. I've done that too. It helps imprint whatever it was that you read on your mind. You can also read the letters in the epistles of Paul like they were written to you. Like they were written directly to you. And you can also be a detective in those epistles. I like being a detective because I'm a dork. Because what you can do is when you're in those epistles, there's little bits of information as you're going along that will help you discover and understand more deeply the place where Paul was, who he was writing to, why he was writing to them. Because this was real. When I first became a disciple, it didn't quite land with me that the things I was reading in the back of the Bible were actual letters (laughs) written to churches all over Greece and all over the Mediterranean. Alright, so they're real. Like, these are things that a dude wrote, or a dude wrote for a dude, to send out to a ton of people. To help them to understand how to be better for God. When you get that on, when you like, when that sinks into your head, to me it came alive. I think that that's really awesome. I'm going to turn over to Jess. you got a couple other things to add. Yeah, yeah. And so for me, and uh, just questioning, like, wow, how do some people make it to, like, 30 years? So I asked a brother, uh, a disciple, a Christian, he uh, has been a disciple for over 30 years, and I asked him, what's your secret? Like, how, what's the secret to your longevity? And he said, I memorized Psalm 1. So I would write that down, memorize Psalm 1. Um, and I would also take up a challenge. Sometimes for me, when I'm reading my Bible, I get like, oh, I don't know where to go next. Or, uh. But I really, really do recommend a Bible in 365 plan. Yeah. Um, and if you've been a Christian for uh, two, three years, you should have read the Bible in a year, or at least all the way through. Or um, And so challenge yourself. Or if you really want to grow in that, uh, my sister and I, we did a Bible... We did a Bible in 90 Days plan. That's even out there. And so that will really ignite you. Also, um, meditate on a single verse that tells you your identity in Christ. I find those that really help me to every day be like, okay, like it'll be like my morning kind of thing. And then um, memorize those powerhouse scriptures, your Romans, your Galatians, like those, you know, Paul, his powerhouse sermons. Memorize some of those scriptures. Have those on their on your heart, and um, that are, those are really um, great tips that help me to really be persevering um, in the Word. And Josh is going to come back up, and he's going to share about um, our relationships with the body. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Guys, I closed the door because people be distracting, okay? <laughs> they had their classes, but we're, di- we're diving deep today, right? Yes. Okay. Alright, so, second point that we had before was relationships, right? Relationships within the body. And a big chunk of what we talked about was First Timothy, right? We talked about dating. Um, we wanted to take a good chunk of time here to talk about some practicals about dating, okay? Because I know that it's on a lot of your minds. 
and that's okay. But we wanted to talk about it a little bit more, all right? Um, so, look, I know that there's a fear out there that maybe I'm not going to get married. Maybe I'm never going to find somebody. Maybe I'm just going to be alone my whole life. You know what? That's okay. I understand that fear. I had that fear. But I want to give you guys a, a little bit here to encourage you that no matter what happens, you have God. And He's never going to leave you. And He's never going to disappoint you. Let me tell you, I'm getting, I'm getting married in 14 days. It's great, but it's not the end goal. Okay? It's great. That person has disappointed me and has hurt me. And I've done the same to her. And that is going to continue to happen. Relationships aren't perfect, okay? So don't think that this thing, relationships, this whole marriage is like going to be this perfect thing. It's not, okay? Many people are much better off not being married, okay? It's just a re- this is like a real reality, okay? For real. Okay, this is what I wanted to say to the brothers. Brothers. I know that sometimes we walk around real confident, right? Like, look at all these ladies! Hey! But then we think, oh my goodness, if I ask this particular lady out on a date, she's going to fall in love with me. Because I am all that in a bag of potatoes. Okay? Now, you laugh, you laugh because it's true! These are thoughts that enter our prosperous brains! Okay? It's true. I have great news for you guys, though. You are not that great. Nobody is that great. That sister is not going to fall in love with you, and if she does, that's her problem that she needs to figure out. Your job, brothers, is to encourage them anyway, okay? That's your job. And, yeah, just because, just because, you're just brothers, just because you encourage that sister out on a double date with you, doesn't mean that she like you. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't mean that Amen. she like you. Right. All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> Hebrews 3, guys, it says, uh, in Hebrews 3, 13, it says, to encourage each other daily. And one fantastic way to do that is to take your sisters on a date. Okay? There is a caveat, guys. If you are just studying the Bible right now, do not be bothered going on dates right now. If you are just looking at the Word of God for the first time, you're diving in to get to know your relationship with God better and deciding, man, do I want to do this for my whole life? This is not the time to be going on dates or worrying about uh, any other person but yourself and your relationship with God. Just unnecessary. You don't need it. It's distracting and it makes things harder, okay? Okay. Don't worry about it. Just focus on your relationship with God. Now, the rest of you who aren't in that situation, get on it, okay? <laughs> All right, so, what's next? I already preached this earlier. Great. I don't need to tell you that again. Yeah, okay, cool. Jess. Yes. Yeah. So, Ladies, I'm think I I get it. Uh, Flow hallelujah clap for Josh for getting that, and I was like, preach yes. 
But I, I can really just feel like we need to camp out on this for a second. Um, for me, I don't know if anyone can relate, but in dating, I feel like I failed. I was like, Josh, just take it. I don't want it. And he was like, no, share me your wrong good. I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, fine. Uh, and so for me, uh, just th- this whole dating thing was even just horrible. And I feel like when I relate that to like older sisters or married women, they're like, just trust in God, fixate on God. And I'm like bitter about that. I'm like, what? You know, I'm like, what do you like? What makes you think I'm not focusing on God, or what makes you think I don't love God? And I was like, oh, you know. And I like that word fixating on God. I think the God that thing that makes me feel like, why do we? Why us single ladies are always being told to fixate on God? And I think I never uh, related that to myself. I never really sat down to think, what does it mean for me to fixate on God when I'm going through something? And for me, it's literally, um, you know praying for that brother when he doesn't text you back. You know, ladies, when we text those brothers, hey, good morning, church, and there's just no response. It says right under there, 550 or whatever. You know, okay, God, pray. Or, you know, it means to love or encourage that brother when all of a sudden his text messages stop coming through. That's I don't know right. if you've ever, you know, been pursued a little bit, and all of a sudden it's crooked. It's like, oh, really? We don't know, you know? And I'm just like, mm, my heart would get bitter. But um, it also means that I need to find my own self-value. And I um, no understanding that no man can add to my value. Um, so for me, I had to understand that fixating on God meant that. Um, and to be honest, I've never been the one to emulate the encourage daily. But that's something I do want to grow in. Uh, I'm pretty sure when it comes to brothers, I flee in the opposite direction. I'm like, hey, you know, and I'm like, out. But I'm learning that, uh, you know, I'm thinking of myself. I'm not thinking of God. So I just want to encourage you, sisters. Don't take this pressure off yourself. He's not going to ask you to marry you, you know. You don't have to get married on the first date. Right. Um, you know, the, rela- the kingdom is the best place to have relationships with your brothers. Like, I have some great brothers who are in my life. They're taking me out, and they're, you know, really encouraging me. And I think this is where it should happen. And yep. so I think uh, that's what it means to fixate on God for me. And really defining what does it mean to focus on God for you. And not to be bitter like I was. Yes. <laughs> Amen to that. Josh's iPod Patty's dying. So he's gonna stand here with it plugged in. Okay. So, you guys doing okay? Amen. All right. All right. So the third practical section we wanted to talk about was the third thing we talked about before: prayer times with God. Okay. Um. So if everyone could flip to Matthew six, please. We're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna work through this real quick, okay? So we discussed the persistent widow earlier, and the call that Jesus gave us uh, to be constantly in prayer, right? We saw that in Luke eight, the persistent widow, right? Um, what Jesus called us to. So now we're gonna take a look at Matthew six, five through fifteen, okay? Uh, I'm actually gonna skip for uh, time's sake. This is Jesus saying to uh, his followers how to pray. Okay? This is a really this is good stuff, right? This is like dude, how do we do this? Dude, I'm going to show you. Right? All right? That's my millennial speak for what Jesus is about to say. All right? It says in verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
All right. For if you forgive a for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. Okay? So many of us, especially if we come from a Catholic background, this is probably pretty familiar. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to break it down in a way that's going to help you guys to pray not the Our Father prayer. Okay? Because, realistically, that gets real boring. It's good, it's nice, but it's not the key to heaven, okay? The key to heaven is having a real conversation with God, not reciting some prayer, okay? So the first part we see there in 9 is, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? Now, I'm going to give you an acronym that's going to help you out, to make, you re- make things real easy. It's ACTS. A-C-T-S. ACTS. And the first letter is that first section we're talking about here. Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name. That is adoration. Okay? Um, The important thing to remember about adoration is it is you just saying, God, you are a rock star. You've done so many amazing things. Look at this earth. Look at the trees. Look at the birds. You are admiring who God is. You are, that is adoration. Okay? Okay? Part 2, 10. Your kingdom come... Oh, no, I'm lying. I'm going to skip down because I want to give you acts in order, okay? Um, so that's adoration, A. Then you've got... What's the next letter? C, right? Okay, so skip down to 12. And it says, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. All right? That is confession. All right? That's asking God to forgive you But I would advise you first to forgive the people in your heart who you can't forgive. Because what did it say at the end? If you're not forgiving the people who have hurt you, God surely isn't going to forgive your body. Okay? So make sure that you're doing that. Alright? Then we've got the T in Acts. And that's back at 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So that's kind of tricky, right? Well, what is that? That is thanksgiving, okay? We are thanking God for what he has done in our lives. Adoration is kind of admiring all the things he's done in the world. Thanksgiving is thanking him more personally for what he's done for us and for others in our lives, okay? So that's thanksgiving. That's talking about God's will is going to be done. Thank you for the will that you have done for us, okay? All right, then you've got the last one in 11. Give us today our daily bread. That we call supplication. Okay? And supplication is the idea that we are going to ask God for things, such as our daily bread. We want to pray to God about the things that we need in our life. If you think it's wrong to talk to God about the things that you need, you are wrong. God wants to hear. He knows already, actually, but he wants you to tell him. Okay? That's cool. And the other part of that is asking God to help the people around you. Okay? That is what supplication is all about. Um, <clears throat> cool. I think that's good enough for that. Jess, do you want to 
Yeah, just recap some practicals. Uh, okay, great. Going back from uh, my story, I survived. I didn't. I learned that I wasn't dying. But uh, what really helped me, it drove me to my knees to really stop praying to God. And one thing that I began to do in that time is I began to pray on my knees and prostrate, like face down and worship. Like that is a principle, it's biblical. And I did that every night. I did. I talked to God in that position, and it really helped me. And I prayed for specific things. I asked God for specific prayers, like to the T. Um, and I prayed, uh, and I journaled, and I prayed that my heart would change. It says, like, when your circumstances are changing, pray that your heart changes towards those circumstances. So what I learned is that I had to change my heart, and I journaled to track my progress. Uh, and then uh, God is faithful. He answered me. He gave me an amazing family in Haiti. He gave me everything I desired down there. Um, and I just want to encourage you, if you stop talking to God, really, right now, open up your hearts and talk to Him. Your prayers, your prayers can be really, really silent, but they can still be seething with passion. So they don't have to be like these boisterous mountaintop prayers, but in your heart, begin again, open that door again. So. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, bonus for anybody who wants to know, I'll give you a couple of really awesome stories if you guys want to stick around. I know we're running late, but I will give you some really encouraging stories about how God has answered prayers in my life in ways that are like mind-boggling to me, okay? So if you guys want to stick around later, I'll give you some of those. We're going to move on to point four, all right? That is participation in the kingdom. That was what we talked about in our fourth point. So as we looked at earlier, there are no excuses, according to the scriptures, to be able to to um, not be active in the church. That is just nothing that says it's okay to sit around and do nothing. Um, that's not in there. I wish it was. It would make my life a lot easier. But that's not what it says. No, 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 no. That's right. Um... I know that it is extremely difficult. Look, before I became a minister, I was hustling, okay? I was working at a theater. I was doing real estate. I was probably working 60 hours a week just to keep up with what I needed to pay my bills. And I was still trying to be a performer and a voiceover artist and a whole lot of other things, okay? So I've been there. I've been in the trenches, and I understand that it is super hard to figure out how to schedule our time, okay? Um, and so what we're going to have is Jess, who is in it right now in the trenches, yeah. is going to give you guys some awesome practicals on how to help you with your time management, yeah. okay? Okay, guys, it's all about prioritizing. And for me, what I'm realizing, um, one... Um, one, sit down with your mentor, or if you're a visitor, the person that brought you out or to invited you here, sit down with that person and just really analyze your schedule. That's what I had to do. Um, I had to see what were my big priorities, what are my big stones. And for me, that was God, church, um, Bible studies, uh, my health, and different things. And those were the things that I would put in my schedule first. And then for the extras, I had to define what are the extras. Social media. You know, it's okay to say no. You can't go to every birthday party. You can't go to every event. And yes, it's great, but if they're outside of the normal meetings of the body, it's okay to say no. So for you, define for yourself what those extras are. And then second, find a church family and stick with it. You yep. know, the church popping. And, you know, it's fun to visit different ministries, but if you feel like you're missing that certain thing that, oh, I don't know, that church doesn't have it, Stick with it. Sam Powell, he's one of our ministers, our leader evangelists. He says, you know, stop with the church hopping. Find a church and make it better. And so for, for you guys, um, that really does help with finding that commitment, building that community and that aspect of committed. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I totally agree with everything Jess just said. And I just want to add 
that you should not be afraid to use a calendar. Okay? Um, if you're not already, really get into using a calendar. Because I cannot tell you how much my eye calendar has changed my life. I have a terrible memory. I can remember a lot of things, but I can't remember everything. And so put it in a calendar. It makes things so much easier because it's there for you and will remind you that you have to do it. I know we lead busy lives, but th that's a great way to help yourselves, you know? All right, guys. So, I know that we ran a little bit over time. I know you did. Uh, can someone uh, help us out and just open the door real quick? So, th this is what I want you guys to do, okay? What I want for you guys... Take time today. Decide on how to, you're going to reevaluate your lives and how you're going to redirect towards God. Okay? Spend time in prayer. Spend time with your word. Spend time with the people who mentor you in your lives to help you to really gather the, these convictions and help you to stand strong in being a disciple, okay? You guys are awesome. I really appreciate you guys having me with us.